What's up, YouTube? It's Rico here, CEO of SourcePoint Asia, host of the Main Channel podcast, and of course, the host of the SourcePoint Asia YouTube channel. Back with another one, still in Hong Kong. I'm flying out later today, and I'm sitting here with Iris from Neat. I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about Neat a bunch of times on the podcast, on, on the YouTube channel. I've been following Neat, I've been following their journey since the beginning of their inception, and uh, it's pretty awesome to see what they've been doing checking out their offices here for the first time. And uh, Iris was nice enough to sit down with me and talk about you know, how the business founded and where they're going in the future. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. Right, so Iris, um, you are the first employee of Neat, right? Correct. And give me a little bit of background about you. Who, who are you? Sure. So my name is Iris. I am originally from the Netherlands, and I've been in Hong Kong for the past um, almost four years now, mm -hmm. um, of which I spent three years here at Neat. Um, so at Neat, I am focused on marketing. Um, as the first employee, of course, in the early days, I was running around doing all kinds of things to help the business uh, move forward. Um, but now at the moment, as the team has grown, I am very much focused on digital marketing as well as on um, partnerships. Cool. So um, how did you discover Neat? How did you end up, like, what were you doing before that? And you know, so, my background, yeah, so my background is in marketing for startups, mm -hmm. not necessarily finance or fintech. Actually, I think uh, when you look at our team, um, you find out that a lot of people's backgrounds here is more from different startup backgrounds rather than from finance. And I think um, that's actually great because we can bring in a new perspective. Uh, and then, of course, we do have some people um, that have very strong banking backgrounds as well, such as our CEO. Um, so I've, I was doing marketing for an e-commerce company, for an analytics company. Um, and then how I found out about Neat is actually uh, because it was very early on. Uh, there was no product yet, no website yet. So how I found out was actually on a website called WHUB. So WHUB is a startup community in here in Hong Kong. Um, if you live here and you're into the startup scene, I'm sure that you've heard of them. Um, so they host a lot of events and they also have a job board. Mm -hmm. uh, so at that time I was looking for new opportunities and I read about Neat. And the story like immediately appealed to me um, because when I came to Hong Kong myself, I was very surprised in a bad way, a bit shocked about the banking system here. Yeah. Um, coming from the Netherlands, I never really thought about it. Specifically business banking or personal? At that, both? At that point, personal because okay. I, didn't, I wasn't running my own business. I was an employee of a company. So um, I was just trying to open a bank account for myself. Um, as an individual, and I was quite surprised that um, my own experience was, first of all, it was a Saturday, so some of the banks were closed, um, then uh, I found a branch that, branch that was open, and it turned out to be a little more difficult than I thought, because I was, I was quite new to the city, I didn't have a proof of address, um, so then they had to send me something to my home, but then I had to sign it, send it back, and then they said the signature didn't match. So it was I'm, kind I'm, of a, I'm having a flashback bit of a hassle. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the online banking was also not really what I was used to. 
And it was something that I never thought about because in the Netherlands, now that I'm in this industry and know a lot more about it, I know that, you know, Europe is more advanced. But when I was living there, it's not something I thought about. And also Hong Kong is often thought about as um, a financial center. And it is in some sense, but not necessarily on their like retail banking mm-hmm. um, end. So when I read about um, Igor and David's story and their vision, uh, their frustrations they had with banks and like the, the, um, the vision that they had that they saw that they could improve it, um, build something new, that really appealed to me. And I also thought, yeah, I can see that there's a big opportunity here. So I met them, um, it was very casual. We uh, got, got along well and I joined the team. Yeah, it's funny that you, uh, you, you mentioned like Hong Kong is considered to be a banking center, but then mm-hmm. they're sort of behind when it comes to the technology mm-hmm. with banking. Why do you think that is? Um, there's different reasons. Uh, there's, it has to do with consumer like expectations or demands. Uh, some people, they actually like uh, to, to uh, meet a banker face-to-face, which is fine, but it doesn't work in every situation. So for example, for Niche, a lot of our customers, um, they of course, they've got ties with Hong Kong, which is why they want to have a Hong Kong account, but they're not necessarily based there. Um, They might be running a a trading company, um, trading a lot with Hong Kong or China, but maybe one of the directors is based in City UK, um, which means that they don't want to fly here just to open a corporate bank account. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so you get you you see the story and then you get inspired. You you join the team. Talk to me about the early days. I know that at the beginning you weren't even thinking about business banking. Mm-hmm. Like you, you just focused on personal. Mm-hmm. Correct. So, and uh, uh, at first, was so I think in every startup you go through like different phases and stages, and you go through some pivots and learnings, and maybe what you think on day one is going to work turns out to not work as as you expected. Um, so in the early days, our initial idea was to focus on the student market and our thoughts behind this were, uh, if we want to launch something new, probably the younger you go in terms of age, the more open people are to trying something new, as well as from like a marketing perspective, students, they usually are, um, uh, they live or at least they go to school on, on campus, so, the, so they're very concentrated. So it's, in a way, it's easier to target them. Um, but, but then when we actually launched a product, we, we did a couple of launch events to, uh, to kind of get to know our customers, be closer to them. And what we found out is that people that actually showed up at these events were a little bit older than the student demographic that we expected um, to show interest. Uh, there were a lot of young professionals so maybe more like um, late 20s, early 30s, a lot of expats, a lot of entrepreneurs. So what we found out is that in Hong Kong, a lot of, um, a lot of banks, they have very um, good credit card programs in terms of rewards. And what we actually found out is that uh, students, which, actually, which, make, which makes sense in a way, because students, they often they have very limited budgets. So even if they have to wait a long time in a line to get maybe one of those credit cards, they prefer to get a good reward that, or like some points mm-hmm. rather than save time or have a better experience. Whereas a young professional that has a very busy life, they might care much more about, I don't want to waste, I have to work, I, don't, I cannot just you know, wait at a bank um, to do something. I prefer to do it in my own time, um, do it online. So we, thought, we found out that that group um, 
I was much more interested. And then what naturally followed from that initial target group of personal was that actually it came from the customers that they asked us about a business solution. Um, so we got a lot of inquiries as well as we just saw it as an opportunity in the market because more and more sort of articles came out in newspapers and blogs, people complaining about how difficult it was to open a corporate bank account. Mm-hmm. So we, we saw this opportunity, we tried it out, and then we um, we gained a lot of traction. So uh, now, today we have our personal product as well as business product, but we are mostly focused on our business products. What were the, um, the early challenges? I mean, if you're trying to set up a new banking, like an online banking system in Hong Kong, like, and then you have all these old banks, these institutions, I'm assuming that there was some pushback, right? Or there probably still is some push, pushback. Um, so first of all, uh, we have to say that, I have to say that we're not a bank yeah. um, from a regulatory point of view. Um, so how we work is we partner with banks, we partner with regulated institutions, but mm. we're not a bank ourselves. Um, but we can offer services like bank transfers or receiving payments by partnering with these different institutions. Um, sure. I would say some banks might see as competitors, so not every bank wants to partner with us, mm-hmm. but there's enough banks that you can find You can find the ones that are willing to partner up. Um, because for some of them, they see it as an opportunity um, simply because the target group that we're going after wouldn't necessarily be, a, wouldn't really be in competition with the um, sort of target audience they go after themselves. Because for a lot of banks, Actually, going after uh, a startup doesn't make that much sense. Because the, the return might not be that much. Uh, correct. Yeah. Um, startup doesn't maybe generate that much revenue for them. And um, for us, we've digitalized a lot of our KYC. So KYC is to know your customer process, the mm-hmm. diligence process. So um, our process is fully compliant, but we digitize a lot of elements, which brings down our cost. Whereas for a bank, these costs can run much higher. Speaking of which, can you sort of walk for the audience, maybe some of the people are not familiar with the process, can you walk them through like the digital, you know, how you can set up a need account basically? Yes, so how it works, um, we changed it a little bit, I think probably since you signed up. Um, So uh, you log into our website, then you fill out your company name and the jurisdiction. So most of the time it will be Hong Kong, Hong Kong company. And then what we do is, um, it takes maybe a minute or so because we actually uh, pull information from the company's registry. So we search in the registry on the backend through API and see if the company name you filled out, whether we can actually find it, Mm -hmm. um, so whether the company actually exists. (laughs) If it does, then you can see in the list uh, to confirm this is is your company, Um, and and then you continue. Um, Then we ask you to, uh, for your business registration certificate, and this is actually the only document in terms of business documents that we ask you for because the certificate of incorporation, incorporation form, annual return. We don't ask it from the customer because actually we can get it directly from the company's registry, sure. which is easier for the customer and also more secure for us as we are sure that it's the original document. Um, then we ask the customers to upload um, a passport uh, scan of the directors and ultimate beneficial owners. Um, and on the background, of course, we do uh, several checks uh, to make sure that this is a valid uh, copy. Um, then we ask questions about the business to find out what it is actually that this business does um, because we do have industries that we cannot deal with. You can also find it on our website. Um, <clears throat> so besides illegal, obviously besides illegal industries, there are certain high risk 
industries that we cannot um, engage with, for example, uh, gambling or adult industry. Um, so even though these might be legal, um, it's not businesses that we can onboard. Uh, so we find out more about the business. Is this um, high risk in, in what sense? Like, how do you evaluate that that's not, how did you guys decide that that's the, those are industries that you, you can't deal with? Um, it depends. Sometimes it's based on our own uh, assessment. Sometimes it's based on our partners' requirements that they cannot deal with. That it uh, that it tells us if you want to work with us, you cannot. Also, oh, so, so the banks stuff. kind of stipulated. Uh, yes, it can be either okay. by the banks or by us, okay, um, sure. depending. Sure. Um, or some some high value um, industries that are just more more high risk, so we cannot um, onboard them. So we ask questions about the business. Um, find out, uh, or we ask, you know, what type of customers do you deal with? Are these individuals, companies, um, where are your customers based? So just so we understand more about the business. Um, it doesn't take very long to fill out our application. It takes around 15 minutes. Um, and then what happens on the background? First, we do um, a lot of automated checks, and then we've got our compliance officers look at the package. Um, oh, and in addition, we also ask the directors and shareholders to upload a video. It's like a one sentence video. And um, we use this to check that this is the same person as on a submitted passport. So that it's not just a passport that someone found somewhere online. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it's a video and not just a selfie, for example, so that we can make sure that it's a um, real person, a live person, and not a photo of a photo, for example. Um, so that's what we do on the, so that's in short what our um, application process looks like. What were, what were some of the earliest challenges that you faced uh, within the company and how did you overcome them? Um, it's quite a lot. I think in any startup in the beginning, it's always um, funding is tight. Um, so now we've raised some VC money so we can spend um, money on, for example, marketing. But in the early days, you have to be very creative and really have to think about how can I show some early traction to, to, to early traction to attract investors without you know spending um, a lot of money. Um, so when we were looking at the student market, for example, this meant you know partnering up with student societies. Um, we've also done uh, we're also doing lots of events, partnering with startup uh, organizations, co-working spaces, accelerators. So a lot of these kind of organizations, they are willing to, if they like our product and I think it's useful, they're willing to spread the word without, you know, necessarily needing any sort of reward. Mm-hmm. Um, just because they um, they think it is a product that's helpful for their um, participants or their network. Um, so we've made we've made use a lot of that. Uh, we've been lucky to go to get quite a lot of word of mouth um, in terms of customer acquisition. We're actually uh, express a lot. Um, so that's been good. I think one of the challenges, of course, was also finding that product market fit. Uh, so, test, so testing uh, different propositions, um, shifting our focus more from personal uh, to business. So it's always, I mean, I think in the early days, it's always a challenge. I don't think we necessarily made a mistake to go for a personal first, because I think it also really helped us when we launched business, that there was already already something, if, if you know someone would be looking um, there into already, us. There was already like a huge problem. There was already a, a problem, but also, yeah. I think for a business to sign up for something like Neat, 
you you have higher there's a higher maybe barrier because mm-hmm. it's it's your company's money it's probably higher amounts that we're talking about so you probably do more due diligence as a company um, and at that time when we launched Need Business if you would be looking uh, for needs um, you would see that we already have a team um, you can see that we've got a following on Facebook on social media so it looks very legitimate and. Um, Whereas for Need Personal, when we just started out, of course, on day one, there's nothing. And I think if at, at that point, if we had gone out with Need Business, it would probably have been pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, Need Personal really helped us in the branding and marketing for Need Business. Um, but of course, it was a bit of a struggle. Uh, was a bit of a struggle and challenge to find that like that the perfect like product market fit. What would you say? Um most of your customers, what space are they in now? Um, so there's different different industries that are quite popular amongst our customer base. Um, I would say there's four sort of main industries that we're seeing. One is consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got a lot of um, small, usually smaller companies that are, for example, doing market. They've got a market digital marketing agency, or they're consulting on business strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, then there are the uh, traders, so people importing, exporting, and traders. I would I would kind of subgroup it into two groups. There's the traditional traders, um, as well as the e-commerce traders, um, either selling on their own stores or selling on um, on marketplaces. And then the fourth group are technology startups, um, software companies. Cool. Um, how, how big is the team now? Uh, so at the moment, we're with <coughs> over 30 uh, full-time employees. Cool. Uh, and then uh, you went from how many at the beginning to to 30 now? Um, well, at the beginning, so it was David and Igor, our two co-founders, mm-hmm. and then I joined. So the first year, we were pretty small. Um, we had two app developers, I think, and a customer support. That's Those are things that are very essential. You to develop your product, you have to do some marketing and you need customer support. So a lot of the pillars are still the same, but those teams have just grown. Like customer support team is um, quite large at the moment. Um, we also have part-time support staff so they can do support on the weekends or nights. Um, and we also have some new departments that didn't exist um, in that first year. Um, for example, operations department um, or like in-house um, accounting team. Um, so of course the team is yeah, team has grown quite a bit. So, on a like at the moment, you said, I mean, your focus obviously is in the marketing space and, and probably strategic partnerships. Mm-hmm. Right? How do you go about identifying strategic partners? Because, like, um, I mean, the, I think I, I discovered you because I was doing a Google search, but I knew that you guys were opening up the business side because of Michael McLeany. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, just by coincidence, you guys also work with Brink and, and, and Nick Ramil. One of the co-founders of Brink is like my mentor. So mm-hmm. this is like we're a, doing an event with Nick yeah, yeah. pretty soon as well. Yeah, actually, you can you can promote that if yeah. you want to. What was the event? Uh, on May tenth, mm-hmm. we are doing an event about, uh, about setting up your e-commerce company and bootstrapping it to hundred thousand USD in sales. Mm-hmm. So how do you go about identifying the strategic partners that you work with? Um, so there's there's different. So how we do it is we we. When we started, and it's always evolving, um, we've had a bit of some brainstorms about which kind of pillars do we want to go after. And then within those pillars, we find the top players. 
So for example, one of the pillars would be um, accelerators and co-working spaces to kind of target the startup ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So Brink would be an example of um, one of the accelerators. And in Hong Kong, we've got lots of co-working spaces that we work with as well. And being for example about WeWork, um, we partner with them pretty closely. Um, then there is another very big bucket, which is the corporate secretaries and um, accounting firms. Mm-hmm. Um, these are really good partners because corporate secretaries, these are the people you usually go to when you uh, want to incorporate your company. So that's really the right time to target customers. Um, so these companies are really good for supporting as well. Um, so this is like one of the, and also a lot of them actually uh, come as inbound leads because they are looking for solutions for their clients. Mm-hmm. And then of course there are the, um, uh, there's product integration partners. So to give one example, and this will expand and expand, but just to give two examples of um, product sort of partnerships that we're doing today are um, for our remittances, um, Customers of us might know, actually, uh, that we work with a company called Instagram, which is a remittance company based in Singapore. So when you make an um, international payment, you make it through our platform. Um, but we do have a partnership um, with a remittance company um, in order to execute our um, payments at a, at a high speed and like and low cost. Um, We've also, uh, we, we also now newly partnered with um, a company in the UK called Railsbank, which ties into also what you were uh, asking me about multi-currency accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Railsbank is a company in the UK and they are providing us with um, pound and euro accounts. So these are local accounts. So um, what our customers get is local accounts in the SEPA region so they can make and receive payments um, within Europe at... Um, no cost. Uh, we are just testing this solution now with around 100 customers, and um, we're just ironing out some some bugs. And once we feel comfortable, we will launch it across all of our customers. Um, and this company will likely also help us with US dollar accounts in the in the US. In the but future. since yeah, but since they're a UK company, um, their their main products are the the pound and the euro account. But they also have US um, dollar uh, available as well. And if you talk about the manufacturing space, you identify somebody like me. Mm, correct, of course, yeah. manufacturer. And especially now that we're going into <laughs> that we're going into um, China, it's going to be more and more important uh, important for us. Actually, speaking of China, do you get a lot of um, tri- like Chinese-owned trading companies that have Hong Kong uh, com- uh, Hong Kong registered businesses? Um, not for yet, because I think uh, we still have some work to do in terms of localization of our marketing products. Yeah. We only recently launched our Chinese website, mm-hmm. and already from that, we are seeing some inquiries. Mm-hmm. Um, but the inquiries we're seeing so far are mostly potential partnerships, people that are really looking, like yeah. very actively looking for these kind of solutions um, to reach uh, individual business owners. I think we have to do more work. Um, we have just this month, we hired our chief customer officer, uh, Kenny Lee, who will be in charge of our China expansion. Um, and he's very experienced. He has co-founded several payment companies before in China. So I think definitely in the next few months, we will see more of this. 
So just before the, the interview started, you mentioned that you opened up a Shenzhen office. Is, yes. that, is that part of the strategy of, of expanding into China? Yes, so our strategy in terms of China expansion is to, at least at this stage, to mostly focus on targeting cross-border sellers. Um, so Chinese sellers that already are very international, um, mm-hmm. that sell their products in um, Europe, the US, maybe other countries in Asia. Um, and that needs a business account to support their international operations. Um, so we won't be focused on our target. Mar- our target audience wouldn't be someone that is just operating in China, needs a Chinese bank account to do their domestic to handle their domestic operations. We are very much going after um, someone that needs like an offshore solution in Hong Kong um, or you know euro accounts, US dollar accounts, and has very international operations. What uh, I guess if you were pitching Neat, what would you say is the benefit of of using your platform? Um, so there's a couple versus, of benefits versus, versus just to prefer, yeah. just versus uh, trying to get a traditional bank account. Um, I think online account opening is a huge benefit for people, especially those not based here in Hong Kong. Then once you have the account, um, it's much easier to use. We've got very friendly um, support staff and. Um, the multi-currency account with the local with the localized payment instructions is also not something that um, companies can usually get mm-hmm. with with a bank. And then I would say, lastly, um, there's actually there's also a good group of customers that have bank accounts in Hong Kong. But the reason that they opened a need account was because they couldn't get cards with their um, with their bank with their bank, um, and they need a like Mastercard to uh, make some purchases. Um, so we definitely also have customers that come to us mostly for the for the cards. Either they need one card, or they might need several cards uh, for their employees as well. That's something that that's something that we actually didn't, didn't mention. Is like for me right now, I process all of our uh, business payments, like the applications that we use and stuff, through the Neat Mastercard because it's it's super convenient to do that. And like you mentioned, um, so you sort of have that master platform, and then you can have individual mm-hmm. cards for each mm-hmm. person. So. That's been, you know, that's been a big thing for me is being able to give like my project manager her own card and and you know make sure that if anything happens she has a card for business expenses. It's been awesome. Great. Um, I think last time we spoke, I was asking you about uh, sort of like withdrawals in China. Mm-hmm. Why do you think there's a limit on withdrawals in China? Is it is it is it do you, like how do you, how do you go about fixing that? Is it doing uh, partnerships with the with the government, or is it specifically directly with the banks in China? Um, I think it's a discussion. Between, so for us at the moment, we are partnered with a card issuer. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not, not we're not issuing our own cards. Um, so it would have to be a discussion um, with our card issuer to sort of resolve this. To resolve it. Yeah. Okay. Um, some of my uh, followers asked about payments into Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, I, mean, I don't know how many Canadian users you have, but like I, this, from what I understand, there's quite a few. Um, so is that something that you're working on for the near future? Um, so for Canada, I cannot make a promise because we've had some. We've, we're testing it. We've run into some issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's likely going to be available for the like for our international accounts, from the Euro account making a payment to Canada, for the US account making a payment to Canada. From the Hong Kong account, we've run into some issues, so I cannot really promise you a timeline okay. on that and yet. And then uh, payments into mainland China? So payments into mainland China is something that um, we've been working really hard on, and we 
We wish we had already launched it because we know it's like a very, very it's big, gonna, important it's, it's feature. Probably, it's probably going to be huge. Yes. Once it, um, once it happens, right? Like it's yeah. Huge. So the latest that we've heard is that it's going to be there um, the coming month. Um, at, at, in the first stage, it's going to be um, payments to businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe for the future, also payments to individuals. Um, and in stage one, is going to be payments to businesses. And um, we expect it to be there next month. So hope all of the testing will... And then uh, integration to sort of accounting software like Zero, QuickBooks, Zoho Books. Um, yes. So at the moment we have um, already almost finished our integration with Zero. Um, so that will be launched soon. For the other um, accounting platforms, we don't have a timeline yet. Uh, simply because um, Zero offers a very easy way to integrate, so it was very easy. For, uh, was easy for our product team to do. Um, as well as um, from our like, research, this seems to be the most popular platform um, amongst our customers. So we prioritize that. Uh, for the other platforms, we don't have a timeline yet. Um, of course, today customers can export their transactions. And um, so export the CSV and put it into their system. Um, but it's not fully automated uh, yet. I, 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 this is like a personal thing. I remember at the beginning, like. Uh I would send messages through the app mm-hmm. and uh, I feel like I was dealing with one or two people. Mm-hmm. Obviously now that's expanded. So like how many, how does it work? How, like how many people do you have literally just answering questions through the app on a daily basis? Um, so our support team in total, I think we're around 10 people at the moment. And um, usually what we try to do with a chat is that one person sort of handles the conversation. Mm-hmm. But of course, it's not always possible because there are shifts. Maybe some, maybe one person um, answers shifts at six or seven and then the like, night shift starts. Um, but we always, of course, try to make sure that um, it, uh, that the transition is, is, is smooth. But of course, yeah, there, there is a bigger, there is a bigger uh, team now. Mm. And what time does your support staff work from what time to what time? Um, so our regular support hours are 9 a.m. Um, to around 10 p.m. at night. However, there is definitely, of course, um, during normal, like regular office hours, 9 to 6 p.m. are fully staffed, so the response will be faster. At night, um, we usually deal more with the urgent issues. Do you ever do you ever get clients who just kind of like they want to come see the office, like you know, when um, there's like an issue, do they ever be like oh, I want to come physically? Sure, <laughs> I mean, because of our. Uh, the way that we the way that we work is we want to be like fully online, mm-hmm. um, also because it works better in terms of for us operationally. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't really normally, um, I would say we don't usually like invite customers over because we wouldn't be able to handle <laughs> handle that. But definitely we do have customers like walk in um, because they have questions or um, because they want to see that we're real. Uh, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> you want to see the true. Um, do you have, I guess, uh, in terms of the companies that you work with, is there a specific, uh, like, are they mostly from the US, Hong Kong registered companies, or is it like, you know, Europe, or it's, a, it's a kind of a mix um, of a lot of different places? So, the vast majority are Hong Kong registered companies in mm-hmm. terms of the nationalities or where the Founders come from, of course, some of them are, lo- are, are local in Hong Kong mm-hmm. um, or based in Hong Kong, but expats. I would say at the moment, probably a little bit more Europeans. Um, not sure why, that's just the trend that we've seen. Okay. So, 
some of the okay before I jump into like some of my closing questions do you have any specific things you want to touch on um no yeah, I think I we've covered a lot today, today so all right cool I don't want to keep you for too long so um, some of my closing questions what is the smallest thing that you guys have done that's brought you the largest results for Pareto's 80-20 principle I think daring to make the choice to really go all in on neat business now it seems obvious, but at the time that we made that decision, it was not well, we weren't sure yet, mm-hmm. but we had to make that choice because we have limited resources. So we had to make a choice and it, it paid off. Um, biggest success in need so far. I would say our biggest success is our growth that we've seen on all fronts, uh, customer growth as well as the fantastic team that, that we've built. If someone was to understand you better, what uh, three books, podcasts, blogs would you recommend they, they check out? Um, three books that I like. I would say um, one is called Traction, especially for um, non-marketers. I really like this book because it gives a very good basic understanding and overview of how you can apply a sort of growth mindset towards marketing. Um, it gives a very basic overview of all the different channels you can use and how to do testing. Um, secondly, perhaps a little cliche, but I do really like Lean Startup. Um, That's cliche for a reason. More, of, more, often, <laughs> more often than... Uh, even for us now, you know, we, we are a little bigger. We found product market fit. But whenever we think of a new feature, I... I or the entire team, we take this approach. We don't just think, oh, let's build this new feature. We always validate, 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 and ask the right questions. Not, would you like to see this? But really ask, do we understand more what's the actual pain point that we're trying to solve? I think that's very important. Thirdly, another book that I really like about marketing is called All Marketers Are Liars. Um, so I'm a, my title is Growth Hacker, and I like data. I like looking at numbers and optimizing. But then this book actually balances that a little bit because it is more about storytelling, which I think that in, in, this, in, in this day and age, um, when we're thinking so much about data and numbers, we shouldn't forget that, you know, very crucial to market. Storytelling is very crucial and remains, will always remain very important in, in, in any marketing. Um, and then well, one question I just thought of was as you're talking, um, how many people are you managing at the moment? Um, so our marketing team at the moment is um, five people. What's, what's, what's that like having gone from being the first employee to like having a team that you're managing and you know, what's that experience like? Um, it's been fun, like, it can be challenging at times, um, but we've, we've hired a really, really good team, I'd say. Um, so uh, we, we work alongside each other um, very well. Um, did, they're, they're experts in their, in their niche. So we've got a content person, we've got an events person. Um, yeah, so it's, it's been going really well. Okay. Final question. Um, where do you see Neat going in the next three to five, ten years? So our vision for Neat is to change the way people trade so today, we are focused very much on finance, mm-hmm. um, which will always remain very core to what we do. But we, it, it doesn't have to stop there. Um, what we want to build is a platform um, 
where you know transactions remains a core but there's so much more that we can build around this um, either we can build it ourselves or we can partner up with people um, to facilitate and make every part of doing trade of doing international trade easier um, think about um, not only payments but of uh, trade finance or even like logistics or how the, the interplay between logistics and payments. Um, so there's a lot we can do to um, to change the way people trade. Cool. So if people want to reach out to Neat or they want to register, how can they find you? Um, so go to our website www.neat.hk um, If you want to reach us, you can reach us at support.neat.hk or you can find me on our website and you can add me on LinkedIn as well. Alright, Iris, thank you for being on the show. Yes, and thanks guys, for inviting me. If you want to reach out to me, that's uh, surfplanasia.com slash made in China. You want to check out the show notes. Of course, we'll have links in the description of this video. Um, all of the links that Iris mentioned and I will check you guys out next week. Yeah, uh, and I'll never let my son have an ego. You'll be nice to everyone wherever we go. I mean, I might even make him be Republican. To everybody know we love white people. And I'll never let him leave his college girlfriend and get caught up with the groupies in the whirlwind. And I'll never let him ever hit the telethon. I mean, even the people dying in the world ends. See, I just want him to have an easy life, not like easy life. Wanted to be someone people like Don't want to be hated all the time, just Don't be like your daddy that it never was And I never let him ever hit a strip club I learned the hard way, it ain't the place to get love 